Hi, you've just downloaded or otherwise accessed a podcast of Cross Point Church and the teaching ministry presented through our weekly Sunday morning worship. Feel free to burn a copy of this file when you're finished and pass it along to a friend you think might also benefit from the teaching. We hope you enjoy the message today, and thanks again for taking the time to visit. According to the Department of Labor Statistics, the <clears throat> the day of the year where most people call in, the, the most people call in sick is the Monday after Super Bowl Sunday, and part of the, part of the reason for that probably is I'll share this with uh, with the guys yesterday morning at our men's breakfast. It was estimated that over 57 billion, with a B, chicken wings will be eaten this afternoon and tonight. So that many chicken wings, somebody's going to have to pay the price tomorrow, I'm sure. I don't know how much grace there'll be with employers, uh, employees with guts full of chicken wings, but we'll see how that goes, I guess. Uh, we've been talking about this balance. Uh, last week, we introduced this balance of, of truth and grace, and Jesus totally embodied that. How he was one, when we looked at how he was 100% truth and 100% grace all the time. All truth, all grace, all the time. We can't get there yet on this side. We will on the other side. But we can learn to, learn to walk with a sense of balance between those two. We can, can seek a, a balance between truth and grace and see that those aren't polar opposites, but they're designed by God to work together in us, in our lives. They're designed to walk together and be partners together. We looked at that last week. This week, we're going to take a little more in-depth look at grace itself, and next week, truth itself, <clears throat> before ending up with this marriage again of truth and grace. Turn to Romans chapter 5. We're going to be in Romans 5 and 6 today uh, with our thoughts on grace. A very descriptive text here in Romans chapter 5. Pick up in verse 17 and read through verse 21 together with me. Romans 5, 17 says, For if by the trespass of the one man death reigned through that one man, how much more would those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and the gift of righteousness reign in life through that one man, Jesus Christ? Consequently, just as one trespass resulted in condemnation for all people, so also one righteous act resulted in justification and life for all. For just as through the disobedience of one man, the many were made sinners, so also through the obedience of one man, the many will be made righteous. The law was brought in so that the trespass might increase, but where sin increased, grace increased all the more. So that just as sin reigned in death, so also grace might reign through righteousness to bring eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Now, four things that today I want to glean from this text. The first is this, is that first of all, grace is provisional. It's provisional. Look again at verse 17. For if by the trespass of one man death reigned through that one man, how much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and the gift of righteousness reign in life? Jesus Christ, those who receive God's abundant provision of grace. If you're a golfer like I am, you spend more time out of the fairway than in the fairway. And sometimes if you off the tee box, if you uh, go into the woods or into the edge, uh, edge of a water hazard or somewhere, you will, if you're also like me, hit a provisional ball. Meaning if I can't find that ball, I'll hit the, the second ball I hit. If I can find the first ball, I'll pick up the provisional ball and put it back and hit the first ball. But provisional balls are, are uh, like that. God's grace, though, is not situational like that. 
His grace is, is provisional instead of situational. Uh, it's as a sovereign God, he anticipates our need for grace and gives us what we need uh, exactly when we need it, even before we need it. He stands ready to pour into us, not just a taste, he says here, but abundance. Uh, last week, Leanne made a, a lemon pie at our house, put it in the refrigerator, unsliced. That's important because usually I, I, I slice my own pie, but as, as this disease is getting a little creeping into my life a little more, she, she does a lot of things like that for me. And I'm sure sliced the pie for me, thinking I'll, be helping, I'll, I'll help him so he don't have to slice his own piece of pie. The problem is, is the pie slices were about this wide. And I like pie slices about this wide. <laughs> and so what, she was probably doing that to be good to me. But what I did was just got two slices of pie. <laughs> and because I wanted the abundance, I didn't want to just a taste. I didn't want to... Slice this, that's about enough to make you mad, you know. So I wanted an abundance of lemon pie and got two slices. That's how the Lord works. He works in abundance, provisionally in abundance for us to pour grace into our lives and into our need sometimes even before we realize we need it. So consequently, we shouldn't be surprised when he shows up to do the unexpected or to accomplish something supernatural because when you have no limits like he has, there are no limits on grace and how that's poured into our lives. There's not a parent in this room that wouldn't do anything they could possibly do to provide for their children. Multiply that times the amount of chicken wings everybody's going to eat today, 57 billion, and you'll start to get a glimpse of God's provisional grace for you. You'll start to get a glimpse of how, how, how much he cares for you and provides for you and pouring grace into your life again and again and again. Um, that's... It's there for every need, for every situation in life. Uh, and, and his grace provides for us. If you don't believe that, just ask Patsy about enough grace needed to, to recover from losing a spouse. Ask Doc about God's provision of grace. Ask Christy about God's provision of grace in losing a mom. Ask Lynn about God's provision of grace in losing a daughter. That provision of grace shows up ahead of time and stays to say, I'm going to help you navigate through this. That's what grace is about, what it's for. And if you don't believe God's grace is provisional, get a, hit a hard place, and you'll, you'll learn that lesson to be true. It's, it's definitely provisional. Secondly, God's grace is not only provisional, it is expansive. Look at verse 20. It's expansive. The law was brought in so that, uh, so that the trespass might increase, but where sin increased, grace increased all the more. Where sin increased, grace increased all the more. Uh, Paul begins verse 20 by telling us that the law was designed to define our sin in order to reveal to us our need for, for forgiveness and our need for righteousness. Uh, then forgiveness occurred uh, when, when that was needed uh, the Old, in the Old Testament. Uh, the, the Israelites would bring a lamb, a spotless lamb uh, into the temple to, as a sacrifice for their sins and that lamb would be slain to pay for their sin debt. Uh, just as the law didn't, didn't really become a, a deterrent to sin, uh, God uh, realized the need for a once-for-all grace sacrifice for us, and he sends send, the Lamb, capital L, to us on the cross to pay for our sin, the Lamb sacrifice. So grace comes in at that point and enters in, in, into the relationship, into the picture. 
because of the lamb's sacrifice. It was a need for a once-for-all sacrifice. Uh, regardless of the depth of sin, he says here, regardless of the quantity of sin, he said, Tim, you don't know my past. You don't know the depth of my sin. You don't know the quantity of my sin. No, I don't. I do know the depth of God's grace. I do know what the scripture says here about the, the fact that as, as, as the law came in, sin increased. And just as sin increased, grace increased. And as sin continued to increase, grace continued to increase. And as we go in our culture, sin continues to abound and increase and increase and increase. And so does God's grace to meet the increased sin that we find ourselves walking in today in our culture. Um, the Bible says here that the depth and quantity doesn't matter. The grace is sufficient and it's there. There's more, more than enough grace for it. Now, our enemy's going to fill your mind with ifs and buts, for sure. If, if only you'd walk closer with God, your life would make a greater impact. Why don't you just keep your mouth shut? You, you, heaven is your home. You got the heaven ticket punched already. Sit over here and keep your mouth shut. Don't open your mouth. You, you, you make yourself look silly. You don't know enough Bible. You don't know enough scripture. You don't, you don't know enough religious speak. You, your life doesn't model Christ enough. Just keep your mouth shut and you'll go to heaven when you die. And, and those buts and ifs, he'll, he'll fill your life and your mind with them over and over and over again if you let him. But grace says to that, uh, I'm enough. In fact, I'm more than enough. It's, uh, we, we, we see the expansiveness of God's grace here in Scripture and how uh, the more we need it, the more, the more there is there to need and to glean from. Well, grace is provisional. It's also expansive. Thirdly, I want you to see that grace takes over. Grace takes over. Look at verse 21 with me. So that just as sin reigned in death, so also grace, watch this, might reign through righteousness to bring eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. That death might, or grace might reign through righteousness into eternal life. Now the ultimate cost of our sin, as we can see in chapter 6, verse 23, says the wages of sin is death. That's the ultimate payment for sin. Uh, as the scripture says here, however, because of God's grace, there is salvation for our sin, meaning that we don't have to die and stay dead. We die to live again. We die to be resurrected. So then when grace takes over, it overpowers sin and death and the results, as it says here in verse 21, is eternal life. So how is that possible, you ask? Well, look at this tweener phrase between uh, Grace might reign and eternal life. This tweener phrase is through righteousness. That grace might reign through righteousness. Uh, in other words, grace takes our wrong standing before God and makes it right. That's what righteousness is, being right with God, having a right standing before him. And so grace works to, to, to correct the wrong standing and through righteousness make us, bring us to a right place for God. As he, so, so that consequently as he looks at us, he doesn't see our sin anymore. He sees his grace and sees us as right, standing rightfully before him. Uh, it's, he sees the grace that, that covers our sin and, and not the sin itself. He sees the work of Christ at the cross. Uh, it's, it is that right standing of what the cross has done. So when grace takes over, miraculous things start to happen, eternal things. However, Grace can't take over when we're still living and walking with a list of rules and a list of, of, of box checking and, and, and thinking that I've not done enough, I don't know enough, I've not been enough. Let me tell you something. 
you're not enough. You'll never be enough. That's where grace steps in and takes over for us. Uh, it's, it, it's, that, it's that takeover that carries us through dark places, carries us through grief, carries us through a hard place, carries us through the unknown, carries us through uncertain things, times of uncertainty. Uh, it's when the rules, when we allow the rules and the list to get in the way, grace can seldom take over. Uh, and well-intentioned folks, myself included, often because I, I, I'm, I'm more of a truth guy than grace guy, and I struggle with grace. Uh, and so as I, as I try to walk in this balance of truth and grace, my intentions are for truth to be stood upon and, and declared and known. Uh, and in my in my well-intended way, sometimes my my best my best avenue of defense is just to let grace take over. Because it'll do that; it'll take over. But we got to give it room and allow that to happen. Well, God's grace is provisional, it's expansive, and it takes over. Finally, God's grace repositions us. His grace repositions us. Drop down to chapter six and look with me at verse fourteen. It says there. For sin shall no longer be your master. Man, what a great phrase. Sin shall no longer be your master because you are not under the law, but under grace. You're not under the law, but under grace. You want to know why sin was and is a master? It's because with it, the enemy brings guilt into the picture. And guilt is a taskmaster. It'll control you. It'll put its hand around your neck and never let go if you let it. That's, that's how guilt and, and, and our sin work together, and the enemy's faithful to do that time and time again. When guilt becomes our master, we, we stay trapped in sin with really no ability to see any, any way out or any other kind of lifestyle. We see here, though, that grace, if we allow it to, repositions us, takes that guilt and, and does away with it, repositions us uh, from living under the power of slavery to sin. It's no longer our master. And the guilt that follows it, it moves us into a place of freedom. Now, how does it do that? Well, I want you to see that grace was and is God's motivation to send his son Jesus to die on the cross for your sin and mine. Not only that, grace was Jesus' motivation to stay hanging on the cross to pay the price. He could have come down anytime he wanted. So it was the Father's motivation to send him there. That, that, that motivation was grace. And it was, grace became Jesus' motivation to stay there on your behalf and mine and not, not bail out on, on, on God's plan and design for us. And he did that so that we can live a life where sin is no longer our master, where sin no longer enslaves us. That's what grace does. That's how big the grace of God is. Is that something you, you're walking into and experiencing personally for yourself? Only you can answer that question. A couple of observations here as we prepare to close. And the first is this. If you're still in bondage to sin, you're there by choice. Hear me. If you're still in bondage to sin, you're there by choice. Because grace will cover that bondage and take you out of, the, out of the guilt that's consuming you and holding you there. If you're in bondage to sin, you're there by choice. We've just seen that God has another plan for that, and his plan is grace. And because of that, Provisional, expansive grace stands ready to take over your life if you'll let it. Provisional, expansive grace stands ready to take over your life if you'll let it, but you've got to let it. You've got to be willing for that to happen. 
1975, I was a sophomore in high school, and the yearbooks were coming out. Yearbooks were 55 bucks then. I don't know how much they are now, probably 100, I don't know. But yearbooks were 55 bucks. That's 55 bucks I didn't have. And I went to my dad to ask him for the money for a yearbook. Well, if you go to my house now, you'll not find a sophomore yearbook because you know what my dad said. Yet, he could have and probably should have said, no, not doing that. Because that was the year, 1975 was, was one of the hardest years my dad had in business. He was in the grocery business and ran a neighborhood grocery store. And it was in the mid-70s that chain grocery stores really started to take hold of Kroger's and Winn-Dixie and IGA and chain stores. And my dad was struggling to make it as, as, as a uh, pr uh, proprietor of a grocery store. And that's probably one of the worst years he had. In fact, he sold that year and sold out that year and went, went to work for white stores. Uh, but I didn't know that, and I really didn't care. I just felt entitled to 55 bucks from my dad to, to buy a yearbook. I became angered that he, at his response. His response was this. He said, I'm going to give you two choices. You can either work and make your own money, and I did. I mowed, mowed yards and things for extra money for, to fill up the car with gas, or not fill up the car with gas, but to buy some gas for the car. Gas was 35 cents a gallon then. Uh, I know, I'm old. But put, put a little gas in the car, buy a hamburger, go to, go to a ball game, do something. I, I, I would work or mow, mow yards or rake lake leaves or whatever to make a little extra money to do that. And he knew that. He said, okay, I'll either loan you the money and you work to pay me back the 55 bucks or here's two or three jobs that need to be done that you can work for and I'll give you the 55 bucks to work those two or three jobs. I don't remember where they were. Well, actually, I do. One of them was to go down to our basement and empty our basement out, and it was that was a task in and of itself. Empty our basement out and wash down the walls and the floor in our basement, scrub them down. Well, I thought I was above that, of course, and an entitled 16-year-old sophomore. So I said no to both of those options, not realizing, and I came away angry at that that whole situation, uh, thinking I'm not going to take a loan. I'm not going to work 55 bucks. My friends are going to their parents, asking them for money, and they're buying their yearbooks. Their parents are buying their yearbooks. Uh, uh, yet, my, as I said, my, my entitled sophomore self wanted nothing to do with my, my dad's equation. What my dad was showing me was grace. What he should have said was no. Just a flat no. What he showed me in, in the loan offer and in the work it out offer was grace. I couldn't see it. I was too entitled, too self-consumed to see it. When grace takes over, you, it helps you to see those kinds of things. You can't see him walking through an entitled culture and thinking, God owes me this. Look at their life. He owes me that too. And they're no better than me. God owes me that. He owes me this kind of house. He owes me this kind of wife. He owes me this kind of vehicle to drive. He owes me this kind of job. God owes you nothing. He, he, he abounds his grace, his provisional grace in a situation over and over and over again. And when we get to the place where we allow grace to take over, we start to see through a different lens. We start to see things around us as 
We start to see the loans and the work it outs as grace, as, as, as means of God's grace, as opposed to the hand it out as a means of God's grace. Because he seldom does that. He seldom, at least in my life, he does. maybe he does in yours, but in my life, he seldom says, here's all you need, more than you need, forever, forever for what you'll need. And it's, it's totally free and it costs you nothing. Grace has lessons to it. That's one of the things God's taught me in my walk with him. There's always lessons to grace. And there's always, as we look at those opportunities, to see them, they can take over. We've got to be willing for that to happen and, and make room for it to happen and set the list aside and set, set the to-do list aside and set the, set the loans aside and set the jobs aside and set our entitlement aside, set the things we think we're due aside. We've got to set those aside for grace to take over. But it will every time if we'll do that. Let's pray. Father, here we are today, uh, not a person in this room worthy of grace. But you pour that out again and again, over and over and over. And we stand ill-equipped to navigate our life without it and in desperate need of it. Yet, feel entitled to it because of looking at someone else's life sometimes. So would you give us an honest look at ourselves, first of all, that we've walked in unworthy of life itself. And you've blessed us with enough health and strength to get up and get to church this morning and sing songs of praise and worship to you and hear a word from, of, of your spirit speaking to us from your word. You've drawn us into a holy place, not because we're worthy to be here, but because of grace. You've helped us navigate hard places, not because we're worthy of that, but because of your grace. You've helped us see other people's life and with a sense of urgency and compassion. To invite them to church, or invite them into a relationship with you, not because we're, we're so smart, but because of your grace. Again and again and again, you offer it to us over and over and again. It, it is it, it's provisional, it's expansive. It can and will take over and reposition us into right standing with you, into a right walk with you. But we got to want that. We got to pursue it. We got to come after you and find it. It's there. In abundance, it's there. We've got to pursue you to find it. Give us today, if you will, the courage to step into the unknown place, a more mature place, into deeper water where we'll see our great need and see your great supply of grace again and again. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks again for listening to today's message from Cross Point Church, helping people navigate the journey toward an authentic, biblical, and contagious walk with Christ.